Well, hello and welcome to Life Church. Are you guys excited to be at church today? The Germantown campus is excited. I don't know, at West Campus, I didn't hear you quite as loud, but uh, we are excited over here at the Germantown campus to be at church today. Um, if you have your Bibles, you can open up to Matthew chapter 28. I'm going to get there uh, in just a second. But we're in this series called Jesus Is. And it's uh, my privilege to be able to speak this weekend. I'm, I'm, my name is Ryan Coggins. I'm the executive pastor here. But uh, a few times throughout the year, uh, they turn it over to the B team. And so you're stuck with the B team today. But it's all good because I'm ready. I'm ready to roll. And so uh, that's right. I appreciate that sympathy clap. Um, but Pastor Aaron and his wife Tammy and family are enjoying some spring break. Uh, this weekend. They'll be back next week uh, as we close out this series. But last weekend we celebrated Easter and uh, it was an awesome, awesome weekend. And the, the, the sermon topic was Jesus is our substitute. And it's so fitting on Easter that we talk about how Jesus took our place on the cross at Calvary. And aren't you thankful today that Jesus is our substitute? And it was a great, great message. Um, today I want to talk to you about something a little different. Uh, right after Jesus rose from the dead, there's about a 40-day period of time where he walks the face of this earth and he teaches his disciples some additional things and some very important things. I mean, this is, these, these are his last days on earth and you better believe he's going to make them count and make sure that everything he has to say, that he's really talking directly to his disciples saying, remember these things. And one of the very last things that he says is in Matthew chapter 28, right at the very end of the, the chapter 28, verse 20, he says this, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this, this is what I want to focus on, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I have to imagine that the disciples are a little bit confused because they were like, didn't, didn't you just say that you're about to leave us just a little bit earlier, but now you're saying that you're going to be with us all the time, and so what are you talking about? And Jesus is, is, is basically, he, he knows that he's about to go to heaven, he knows that he's about to leave them in physical form. But he gives them that reassurance and says, I'm going to be with you always, even to the end of the age. That's some good news for us today. And that's what I want to talk about today, is how Jesus is with us always. Let's pray today. Father, we thank you that we can come here together and we can learn more about your word. I pray that throughout this series that you would reveal yourself to us, that we would learn more about who you are and it would become real in our lives. Today, we thank you for your promise in Matthew chapter 28, verse 20, that you tell us that you will be with us always. We pray that we would encounter the real living Jesus today. It's in your name we pray. Amen. I have to admit to you guys that I have a little bit of a problem. Um, believe it or not, if you've heard me speak before, this is like my therapeutic Davenport of love up here where I get to just kind of tell you this is what's on my heart. This is what I'm going through. I check my cell phone way too much, way more than the average person should ever check their cell phone. I'm checking it right now. I've spoken for three minutes and 27 seconds. And they tell me I only, I only have like two hours to speak, so I, I'm making sure that I keep track of it on here so I can get you guys out of here. On t I'm just kidding. It's okay. I'm just going to speak like 26 and a half more minutes, so it's okay. Sorry. I have a little issue here. Um, just preach it. Okay. I'm just going to bring it now. But I check my cell phone constantly. I'm constantly looking at it, and I don't even know what I do half the time. There are times where I'll look at my cell phone and set it down, and five seconds, not minutes, five seconds later, I'll pick it up again, and I'll just like 
Like, it's like habit for me that I'll just, just look at. And I have this, like, routine that I'll do. I'll look at my emails. And I don't like push alerts. I don't like to, 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 to tell somebody to, somebody to tell me when I should check myself. I want to check it by myself. So I want to press the button that says mail because I, I want to see it. I like watching them come in. I don't know. It's just some sick thing about me. I, I don't know what it is. I, I like just checking the weather. You know, just like, did that 10-day forecast? Maybe Friday's going to be two degrees warmer. Do you ever look for it to, like, update? And you're like, oh, yes. It's awesome. Um, or, or I'll look at sports, and I'm from Minnesota, so there's really no point for me to look at. Uh, there's just nothing to really cheer for. You guys like that joke? Okay. Uh, uh, so, I, you know, I'll look at my cell phone all the time, and I just constantly check it. I found myself, uh, you know, have you ever been away from your cell phone? By the way, is there anybody else that's with me on that, that you check your cell phone? Great, eight, nine, ten, ten of you, sweet, uh, are with me on that, make me feel not so weird, but uh, have you ever been away from your cell phone for a period of time? It is terrifying. It, it is just a disaster. And so, like, just recently, I was um, at a basketball game, and I knew I was going to be there about four hours or so, because there's two basketball games, and so I'm sitting there, and uh, the, my, the power on my cell phone, it, it powers down. Before the game even be, began, and I'm like, oh my goodness. I went into survival mode, like, and, and you're laughing. <laughs> I wasn't laughing at the time. I was seriously like looking for supplies, like, I'm, like the end of the world. Like, what is going to happen? I'm going to, and you think I'm being over the top. I really, my chest actually did tighten up a little bit. I was like, oh my goodness, I feel claustrophobic. What's happening? I can't do anything. And uh, I found myself, I'd look at it and then be like, oh, it's powered down. I forgot about that. And for four hours, I, I had to endure, it was just, it was terrifying. And I, there were probably people that were baking pies and putting pictures on Instagram, and I never got to see those pictures. And it's just, I had to go back and retroactively, I got to catch up on four hours of what, any new houses on the market, anything happened in my bank account, you know, like just weird things that I always have to check what's going on. Um, my, my wife doesn't care for this side of me um, very much at all. In fact, there are times, and I'm getting, no, I'm not, I'm not getting better. I'm just, uh, that would be a lie. I, I, I want to get better, and so I, I need to work on it. Maybe after this sermon, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go home. I'm really going to work on this, but um, there's times where I'm at home with my family, and I'll have a tendency, and I try not to do this, but there's just times where I'm just like, okay, let me just check what's going on. Oh, the twins lost again. Okay, so then let me, let me put this back. Um, and, and my wife will catch me sometimes like out to eat or something like that. We're trying to spend time as a family, and she'll say, Ryan, right here, are, 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 you, are you with us right now? And I'll say, yes, I'm right here, Amanda, I'm right here. And she'll say, I know that you're here, but you're not here. And I'll say, that doesn't make any sense at all. That is ridiculous. I am, I'm obviously here. I'm paying attention. She's like, no, 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 you're here, but it doesn't feel to us as your family. It doesn't feel like you're here right now. And I found myself at different points in my life having a very similar conversation with God. And I don't know if I'm the only one, but I've had times in my life where I say to God, God, I know that you're here because right here it says it. It says, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I know it up here, but there are times in my life where it doesn't feel like it. If I'm just to be perfectly honest with you, where it feels like maybe, man, maybe Jesus is ignoring me <laughs> right now. Has, has God ever not answered one of your prayers? And, you, and you're left just thinking, okay, well, did he, maybe, did he hear me? Is he paying attention to what's going on um, in my life? 
I don't know if maybe you're looking at me like I'm crazy, like I'm the, I'm the only person that deals with that. Has anybody else ever dealt with that where you feel like maybe God's just not paying attention to, and you just raise your hand and say, that's, you know, I, I've dealt with that before. Keep your hands up for just a second. Maybe you, have you ever felt like God is un- inattentive to you or uncooperative, or maybe he just didn't answer your prayer the way that you wanted him to? Would you just answer your hand? Okay. M- many people in this room, you raise your hand and you'd be honest enough to say, yeah, I've, I've battled that from time to time. If you didn't raise your hand, please tell me your secret because I, I've, there's just been times where I'm just like, it's not that I'm doubting God, it's that I'm just... I know he's here, but I just would really like a sign from him. Have you ever asked God for a sign? Like, just send me a little shout out. I I just need a little something to hang on uh, to right now. If if you've ever said the phrase, um, Jesus, I need you to show up right now. I need you to show up in this area of my life. You ever said that? Well, then you've battled. If if you're shaking your head and you didn't raise your hand, you're a hypocrite. I'm just kidding. It's okay. I'm not calling you out. But because Jesus is saying, I'm there all the time. Why are you asking me to show up? It's like, you, you wanted that reassurance that I really am there? I think if we're all honest, we've all battled with this at different times in our life, feeling like God is not paying attention to what's going on in our lives. And there's a lot of Christ followers that, I'll just be honest with you, don't make this problem any better because they make you feel weird if, if you ever battle with that. If you ever, uh, you never voice that because, oh, no, 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 we don't, don't second guess God. Don't, 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 you cannot doubt ever. Like, that's just not part of being a Christian. You, you, sh- you should have faith. And if you're feeling that, you need to have more faith. You need to pray harder. You need to get the sin out of your life. And they always say it with that sin, like really just like disgusted voice or whatever. Like, you need to get that out of your life because that's holding you back. You, you don't have enough faith. And I'm here to tell you, well, then there's been times in my life, maybe, you know, I'm guilty of that. Or there's other people that you look at and you say, man, they got it all together. They got the perfect little family. Their outfits match all the time. And they have a great house and great vehicles. And their dog even behaves. It's just great. Everything just seems to be working out for that family. And none of them are even Christ followers. They don't even go to church on Sunday morning. And everything's working out. For them, and here I am, I'm trying to do the right thing. I'm trying to be a person of character. I'm trying to serve God with all my heart. And man, it just doesn't seem like God's responding the same way to me. And I'm here to tell you today that you're in good company, first of all. Because Jesus tells multiple stories. There's multiple stories in Scripture, but uh, there's one in particular that I want to read to you today and talk about a little bit. That you're in good company because Jesus knew that we would struggle with this very thing. He knew that we would struggle. In fact, I think that's why he even says, I'm with you always. And he, he's constantly reminding the disciples, I'm, I'm going to be with you. It's okay. I'm with you. Because we need to be reminded from time to time that, we need, that, that Jesus is right there. That Jesus really is as close as the very mention of his name. I need to be reminded of that from time to time. And in fact, uh, one of the closest people to Jesus struggled with this very thing. One of the people who walked the face of the earth that, that, that many would say was cl- probably closer to Jesus than anybody else in a lot of ways because he was related to Jesus. He was the cousin of Jesus. He prepared the way for Jesus. He announced that Jesus was the Son of God to everybody. I mean, he was, he was very, much, uh, very much a person who would be very close to Jesus. And yet, it, he even baptized Jesus. Many of you know I'm talking about John the Baptist, hence the name Baptist. As he, he baptized Jesus. I mean, he was very, very close 
to Jesus. And before we jump into the story, I do got to tell you, because if this is a message that resonates with you, uh, there's a pastor in, in Atlanta, Georgia, named Andy Stanley that I heard do a sermon on this, and I was scribbling down notes as fast as I possibly could, uh, because some of the things that I'm going to tell you today, some of the things, some of the truth, some of the things that we're going to talk about are brought to you and, and, and are not original to me that Andy Stanley was the one who first came up with them. But if you want more content on this very subject, I'm just going to tell you, he does, he, he has he has an entire series on this topic uh, that is absolutely uh, phenomenal. But let's jump into the story. Mark chapter 6, we're going to get there. Um, it, part of the story is in the book of Mark. Part of it is in the book of Matthew. It's kind of two different sides uh, of the story. But John the Baptist, he's prepared the way for Jesus. He's kind of a, a, a legend, so to speak. People follow John the Baptist. He's kind of a hero amongst the people. People really, really like uh, John the Baptist. They, he has just people that would follow him around from town to town as he preached different messages uh, around. And, and people very much loved John the Baptist. But we're going to read about how he was put in prison for nothing that he did wrong and kind of how he deals with it in verse 17 of Mark chapter 6, it says, For Herod himself had given orders to have John arrested, and he had him bound and put in prison. He did this because of Herodias, his brother, uh, his brother Philip's wife, whom he had married. For John had been saying to Herod, It is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. Now, basically what has happened is that Herod has married, and there's a whole weird history and lineage. I don't want to get into all of it today, but Herod has basically married his brother's wife, okay, just just help, Just think Jerry Springer, okay? That's what's going on here. It's like a really weird situation. It's not good, and so that's what's going on. So verse 19 says, So Herodias, which is Herod's wife, nursed a grudge against John and wanted to kill him, but she was not able to because Herod feared John and protected him, knowing him to be a righteous and a holy man. When Herod heard John, he was greatly puzzled, yet he liked to listen to him. So basically what's going on, John the Baptist is preaching against sin. He's saying he's trying to prepare the way for Jesus, saying, get ready. There's somebody coming. You want to make sure that you don't have sin in your life because you're not going to be able to hear anything that he has to say if you're living in sin. So get right. Repent. The time is near. And so then Jesus shows up on the scene and is doing all these amazing things. But John the Baptist, all the while, gets put into prison for preaching against sin, and specifically against the sin of Herod, the ruler of Galilee at the time, and his wife Herodias. He's preaching against them, and so to speak, and so he's put into prison. Herodias wants him killed altogether, and Herod's like, well, I kind of I kind of like the guy. He has a lot of great things to say. Let's just not let's not kill him just yet. Let's just put him in prison for now. And so that's John the Baptist, that's his life. That is his existence from here on out, is being in prison. And from time to time, uh, Herod would want to hear from John the Baptist, so he'd bring him up, say, bring, you know, bring him up from the from his cellar or from prison and bring him up and he'd, he'd preach to, uh, to Herod and he'd say, okay, I'll put him back. I kind of like the guy. Let's not kill him yet. Let's not do that. Let's just hang on to him for a little while. But that was John's existence. And John, in the midst of all this, as we read in Matthew chapter 11, we'll get there in just a second, but we flip over to Matthew, the same story is being told of John being in prison. John is starting to have second thoughts about Jesus. In Matthew chapter 11, Starting in verse 1, it says, After Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in the town of Galilee. That's where John uh, was, was in prison. When John heard in prison what the Messiah was doing, he sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who was to come, or should we expect someone else? Now, I imagine John's disciples must have been like, 
what? What did you just say? He says, are, are you the one who was to come, or should we expect somebody else? Go ahead and ask Jesus that. I want to know. And his disciples must have, you know, John's disciples must have been like, dude, you, what? You announced that Jesus was the Son of God. You're the one who told us that he was, and now you're telling us that maybe he's not? He's like, I just, I need to know. I need to know. John was beginning to have doubts about who Jesus really was. The same guy who baptized Jesus. The same guy who, when he baptized Jesus, the heavens opened up and God spoke, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. I mean, John should have enough evidence, more evidence than any of us would have, that this really is the son of God. But he's in prison. He's not really liking (laughs) his lifestyle. He's kind of like, man, I didn't do anything wrong. And here I am. Man, Jesus, you are doing miracles for complete strangers. You're raising people from the dead. You're, you know, you're healing people, doing all these amazing things. I am your cousin for crying out loud. Hook a brother up with a little... Can you do just one little miracle for your cousin for crying out loud? I mean, that has to, uh, that's kind of how I read this, that, that John is really struggling with this because Jesus is doing all these miracles, but he's not doing anything for his own cousin. And so he sends his disciples to ask if Jesus is really the one. And for us today, this should be an incredible encouragement. First of all, to know that it's okay to to just be honest every once in a while and realize that, man, even John the Baptist had times of struggling with this, of saying, God, I know, Jesus, I know that you're the one, I know that you are, but I just need that reassurance right now. We are flawed humanity that occasionally just need to be reminded, just need that reassurance that the, you know, that Jesus is with us always. We know it up here, but sometimes we just need to feel it in our hearts. And there's a couple of important things for us to realize out of this story. First of all, uh, it's incredibly important to, to realize that when our circumstances change, it often impacts our confidence in God. When our circumstances change, it often impacts our confidence in God. Now, this can go both ways. Sometimes your circumstances change for the good. I've seen this happen before where somebody gets, man, they're kind of moving up the corporate ladder. Things are going really well for them. They get a new job, and they're making more money than they ever have in their entire life, and things are going well, and so their confidence in themselves goes up while their confidence in God starts to diminish. And they say, man, I I feel invincible. I I can do this all by myself. I'm smart. I can make all this money, and their confidence in God starts to diminish. Or there's other people on the other side of the spectrum where John lives, that their situation, their circumstances change for the worse, and they begin to have a a rough way to go. And they begin to to, to say, God, are, are you paying attention to what's going on in my life? And their confidence in God begins to diminish. Another thing we see in the story is that our negative circumstance often shrinks our worldview. Our negative circumstance, it shrinks our worldview. And what I mean by that is this. Let me illustrate it like this. There's, uh, if, if you've ever turned on the news and there's a natural disaster of some sort, and, and we've seen many of them over the last five, ten years, um, there's a hurricane, there's a tornado, there's a tsunami, and it claims a ton of lives and just, just devastates so many families. And immediately, I mean, I'd like to thank everybody in this room, immediately we just are filled with compassion for those people, and we, we pray for them. You know, we say, God, man, that's just, 
that's not right. God, we need uh, help those people right now. You're filled with compassion for them. You might even give money towards those people. I mean, we, we support a, a, an organization called Convoy of Hope, a disaster relief organization, and we, we, we gave all sorts of money to them last year for, for various disaster relief, and, and, and we might even go ourselves. We took a team to Joplin, Missouri a couple of years ago when the tornado hit there, and just, just to help any way that we can, and we feel compassion for those people. But when the shoe is on the other foot and the disaster happens to us, our response is very, very different. We're not welled up with faith very often. At least many times in my life, my faith diminishes a little bit in those times. When it happens to somebody else, I pray for them. I'm compassionate towards them. I have this faith that God's going to make it okay, that God's going to rescue them in that situation. But when it happens in my own life, sometimes I have a tendency to do the exact opposite of that. It's very selfish at the core of it to, to, to question the presence of God because it's really saying, no, 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 when it happens to me, then I'm, uh, I think a little bit different about it. Oftentimes our negative circumstance, it shrinks our worldview and we can't see beyond our circumstance. Have you ever been clouded by that before where something happens in your life and you just can't see anything else that's going on beyond that circumstance? You ever been there before where it's just like, it's like you're wearing... Just goggles that are just filtered through this totally devastating situation. And you just can't see anything else without that filter. That's exactly what John the Baptist is going through. Except for him, it's not only figuratively, it's very literal. That he can't see beyond the four walls of his prison. I mean, he is literally just can't, he's just stuck. And so figuratively and very, very much real, John is beginning to just have doubts. And John... Uh, gets a response from Jesus. He tells his disciples, go ahead, go ask Jesus. I don't know if he was, there was like a window in his prison cell or something. They come up to him. He's like, go, go ask him. Just go ask him. Just trust me. Just, I need to know if Jesus really is who he says that he is. And so the disciples go. They deliver this message. And then in Matthew chapter 11, we see Jesus' response to this, to this message. Sorry, in verse 4, he says, Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and what you see. I think it's very fascinating that he tells them, no, no, I know that John is in prison. I know that he can't see beyond the four walls of his prison cell, and I know that he needs to know what's going on around him, what you hear and what you see. He says, the blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the good news is proclaimed to the poor. And then he says this very peculiar verse in verse 6. He says, blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. And I imagine uh, John's disciples must have been like, what does that even mean? What, blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. In other words, blessed is anyone who does not stumble because of something that I've done or haven't done for them. And so the, his disciples must have been like, so you know that John is in prison. You know that John is just suffering and living. He's just, he's miserable in prison. He's like, yeah, and, and, and tell him that it's going to be okay. <laughs> tell him, cheer up. It's, it's, it's all right. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. It seems very odd because in, in, in you know, I don't know if we've watched too many movies, but we either think Jesus is going to respond one of two ways. Maybe he's going to say, oh, really? John, come on, we've, we've gone through this a million times. Just tell him to go suck it up. He's just being a baby. He's being whiny. Just, 
Yes, I'm the one. You baptized me. The heavens opened up. Remember? Go tell. He knows better than this. Or you think Jesus is going to respond like in a way that he says, yeah, guys, I know that he's in prison. Just keep it down. I'm going to break him out tonight. It's like a little prison break thing. Don't tell anybody, but it's, I got this. It's going to be okay. It's my cousin, you know. He doesn't do that. He doesn't do that at all. In fact, he, he just tells John, hang in there. John, blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. We prefer the miracle working, came to my rescue, happily ever after Jesus that, just would, that we would see that would break John out of prison. That seems to be the Jesus that we want to serve. But just to say, blessed is anyone who doesn't stumble on account of me. See, John the Baptist was going to be in prison no matter how much faith he had. John the Baptist was going to be in prison no matter how much he loved Jesus. John the Baptist was going to be in prison no matter how obedient he was. John the Baptist was going to be in prison no matter how much Jesus loved him. And see, the the reality for us today is that your circumstances do not coincide with God's love for you. I think it's important that we understand that today, that our circumstances don't, do not coincide with God's love for us. See, see Jesus loved John. That wasn't, that wasn't the question. I mean, even in the following verse, in Matthew chapter 11, verse 11, it says, Truly I tell you, among those born of women, should be about everybody, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. I mean, Jesus is like, he, he thinks John is the greatest man who ever lived. And he loves John. He's his cousin. And if you're waiting for, okay, Ryan, what's the, come on, what's the punchline? What's the happily ever after moment? There, there isn't one to this story. In fact, if you read the rest of the story, John is beheaded in prison. And it, his, his head is actually served on a platter uh, to the queen. I mean, it's just not to, to, the, to the king and queen's daughter, Salome. Uh, it's not a good situation for John the Baptist. Not an honorable way to go. That's how his life ends. And Jesus knew about it. And Jesus could have actually stepped in and done something about it. He did all these miracles for everybody else. He could have stepped in and done something about John being in prison, his own cousin. But he doesn't. And all he does is simply remind John, remember all the things that I'm doing. Remember everything that, every miracle that I've done. And remember, blessed is anybody who doesn't stumble on account of me. Hang in there. It's going to be all right. And if we're not careful, we can very easily let our faith hinge on what God has done for us lately. And when things are going great, man, our faith is strong. But when things are not going so great, our faith can become very, very weak. And that's a very dangerous place to live our lives where we hinge on everything, on simply what God has done for us lately. And Jesus is telling us today that no matter what the circumstance, no matter what has gone on, that he will always be with us, that he'll always be there, that in any circumstance, he's always with us. So the question is, what do we do when we find ourselves in a situation like John the Baptist, where our circumstances are just difficult? Because I'm just going to tell you, a a church of this size, and and I, I I get the prayer requests every single week, and it's just, sometimes it's just devastating to hear the real deal things that people deal with in this church, people in this room, I'm, I'm sure every person in this room could think of something that they're just going through right now or maybe a season that they've walked through that's just been, it's just been hard. 
it's just been, man, it's been difficult. And maybe you've, your, your faith has been tested quite a bit during this time. And you're just like, man, I, <sighs> Jesus, where are you right now? So what do we do in those situations? I think the same thing that Jesus told to John is what we need to hear in our lives today. He tells John, he says, the blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Essentially, Jesus is telling John to look outside your circumstance. If you're taking notes today, that's the last thing I'm going to say. Jesus tells John, look outside your circumstances. Sometimes the best thing that we can do in the midst of a real difficult situation is to step outside of that circumstance just for a moment because I'm just going to tell you when we're, when we're in the middle of a trial, all we can see is that trial. And for some of us, it's important for us to realize, you know what, remember the time where God did show up for you. Maybe it's as simple as just remembering when you gave your life to Christ Remembering last weekend when we celebrated Easter that Jesus gave his life for you while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Sometimes that's just enough <laughs> to realize that Jesus has already rescued us and we need him to rescue us again. And he said, no, I, already, I already did that. Can, can, can that be enough? Or maybe there's a time in your life where Jesus did come through with just a, an unbelievable miracle. Sometimes it's good to just remember that and to look back on that and say, okay, I remember when Jesus did come through and Jesus did answer my prayer. And that's all I need. That's all I need. You know, or uh, I remember, you know, if you read back in the Old Testament, Moses with the Israelites, he dealt with this with them all the time because they were a bunch of whiny little kids that would say, Moses, we're hungry and we're thirsty. And this is, is are we ever going to get out of this desert? It's hot. What's going on? And and Moses kept having to say, remember the time where, you know, God kind of parted the Red Sea? That was, that was pretty cool. That was, that was a good thing. Uh, can, can you stop whining about every little detail? Just, just, trust, just trust that God's there and he's going to take care of us and he's going to be with us every step of the way. Can that just be enough for now? Or sometimes it's just as simple, and that's why I'm so thankful that God has given us his word, that we can, any time we want, open it up and read back and say, man, that's awesome. I believe in the promises of God. I believe they are yes, they are amen, they are true for today, and that's all I need today. I, I, can, I can go on. Some of us just need to be picked up like that every once in a while. And I'm just going to tell you another thing. This is going to sound counterintuitive to a lot of us, but one of the best things that you can do if you're finding yourself in one of those, one of those situations is to go on a missions trip. You say, Ryan, how could I go on a missions trip at a time like this? You don't understand the situation. I'm just going to tell you one of the best ways that you can get away from your circumstance and that you can step outside of it and realize and increase your worldview a little bit and realize that, man, God is working all across this world. And just because I don't feel him in my situation right now doesn't mean that he has moved one centimeter off of his throne. Sometimes the best thing that we can do is just get outside of our circumstance. There's people in this room, I don't know what kind of struggles that, you, that you've dealt with. There's people, I mean, raging all over the place. There's people in this room that you're praying for a new job. Maybe it's your marriage that's just in shambles right now. And you're just believing that God's going to do, he's going to show up and do something and it just doesn't feel like anything's happening. Maybe it's, uh, you know, you got a bad report from the doctor and things just aren't, you're just, you're just, you don't know how to take in that information. 
Maybe somebody close to you is dying. Maybe you and your wife, you know, can't conceive. Maybe you and your, your, your spouse just went through a miscarriage. I mean, I can't begin to describe the amount of compassion and empathy that I have for you today. I can't even begin to tell you. But we serve a God who can. We serve a God who is with us every step of the way. And even though sometimes it doesn't, we don't have that touchy-feely, warm, fuzzy type thing going on, that Jesus is still on the throne. And Jesus still gave his life for you while you were still a sinner. And that while he did that, he can certainly... He can certainly answer any prayer. He can certainly do anything he wants. Sometimes it doesn't happen on our timing. Sometimes it doesn't happen the way we want it to. But that Jesus is always there. Some of us need to be encouraged by other people from time to time. And I'd encourage you, if you don't have somebody in your life who's speaking, uh, who's speaking truth into your life, who you're, who you're able to call in the middle of the night when things are just rough and things aren't going well and just say, man, I just got to tell you, this is what's going on. And you just need somebody to encourage you and lift you up and say, okay, let me help you. Let me report to you what I see and what I hear, just as you know, the disciples did for John. Here, here's what's going on. Let me just tell you, it's okay. I think you're just a little bit focused on your situation. Jesus is bigger than that. I, I, just, I need to just talk some sense into you for just a minute. Regardless of our circumstance, Jesus is always with us. I don't have like a, a nice answer for you. The question, why do bad things happen to good people? I don't have an answer for the why and the how. I mean, there's a whole theologic, uh, you know, theological debate about that. I'm not going to get into all that today. But what I am here to tell you today is regardless, doesn't matter what the circumstance is, that Jesus is with us always. Do you believe that today? Yeah. Do you believe that? Yeah. Some of us just need to be reminded of that, that Jesus is with us always. I love what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. If you're ever going through a circumstance like this, I, I would encourage you, man, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, starting in verse 7, I absolutely love uh, this passage of Scripture. Because Paul, he, he was going through a rough patch himself, and he had, he had asked several times for, G, for God to remove the thorn in his side. We don't know what that is, some ailment of some sort. And this is his response. He says, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, get this, he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Some of us need to hear that today, that my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness. Can you say that you delight in weakness? in insults, and in hardships, and persecutions, and difficulties, because for when I am weak, then I am strong. Would you pray with me today? God, we thank you for your promises that are true today. We thank you that we can stand upon your word, and that when you say, I am with you always, Lord God, that regardless of our circumstance, regardless of what we're facing, God, we believe that you are with us. The feeling part is secondary. We might not always feel that. We might not always be encouraged. But Lord, today somebody needs to be reminded in this room that you are with them always. And you are bigger than their circumstance. And you are bigger than even the outcome of their circumstance. That you are still on the throne. And you can be trusted 
yesterday, today, and forever. God, we thank you so much for sending your son 2,000 years ago to die on the cross for our sins. We celebrated it last weekend. We stand upon that today and know that you are with us always. We thank you so much. In your name we pray. Amen.